Iowa everywhere. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. All right, boys, it's game day. Let's go. Let's go. Big game. Got a big game today. My package has arrived. Oh, sweet. Nice. Score! Great win, fellas. What game's next? G-Men are having a great year. Let's go blue! Here we go. Primetime football. Texans, Dolphins. Let's do this. Yes! Review. Yes! Yes! Heartland Flags. Every sport. Every team. Every flag. Every team? That's right. Fine, fine. I'll get a Washington flag, too. Find your flag and so much more with fast, free shipping. Heartlandflags.com. Every sport. Every team. Every flag. Almost. Loyal sons forever true. Go Cyclones. Heartland Flags and Gifts presents Legends and Listeners with Scott Docterman and Chad Leistico. Fly them high and fly them proud. Find your flag at heartlandflags.com. Breaking down the Big Ten from the Channel Seed Studios, this is Iowa Everywhere. Hey, Hawkeye fans, Big Ten fans, and Iowans everywhere. Thank you for stopping in for Episode 9 of Legends and Listeners here on the Iowa Everywhere Network. My name is Chad Lysico. I write about the Iowa Hawkeyes for the Des Moines Register. And delighted, as always, to be coming to you live from the Channel Seed Studios. Iowa football continues to defy the odds, earning a 20-14 win against Purdue and covered the spread, despite a 6-for-21 passing day from Deacon Hill to improve to 5-and-1 for the season at the halfway point. And that leads us into the game of the year for the Hawkeyes, who, ready or not, have their Big Ten West division fate on the line this week at Wisconsin, 3 p.m. Saturday, Fox game, Jason Benetti on the call, Brock Heward, Hawkeyes 10-point underdog, Scott Docterman. My friend from The Athletic, welcome. And let's get right into it with this question, my man. How much is at stake Saturday at Camp Randall Stadium? I think this is the game of the year, especially for Iowa and mostly for Wisconsin as well. From what we've seen of this West Division, which is at its worst level since the old Bo Schembechler, Woody Hayes days, that whoever comes out of this, is the survivor of the West. And I don't think either one of these teams are particularly good, even compared to what they were the last few years, a couple of years ago. But when you're looking at Purdue, they've already, they've not shown up. Northwestern, there's, they got an interim coach. They're playing hard, but they're not good. You know, Minnesota just gave up a thousand points last week. Um, 
we don't know about Nebraska. And Illinois is really falling on its face. I just don't know who can challenge either one of these two teams. And again, I'm not saying either one of these two teams are worthy of the final record they'll have. So, But for Iowa, I think they're more likely to stumble to somebody else than Wisconsin is. And so I think this is a paramount game if Iowa wants to get back to Indianapolis. Yeah, and I think they do. We're going to get into it, whether everyone thinks wants them to go to Indianapolis or not in their fan base. But, uh, but yeah, you lose this game. Uh, yeah, we talked about it on our Hawk Central show last night. Like, there's there's almost no path to the Big Ten West title because you're you got two in the L column. Wisconsin would still have zero. They'd be three and zero, oh, and then they've got to lose three times, and you got to win out. And there's really no one else that can sneak in and make a multi-way tie, probably in this mm-hmm. case. So. This is it for the Hawkeyes to, to at least set a path to the Big Ten West Division title. And, you know, scoff at it all you want. Totally agree. This is probably the worst of what the West Division has been, I think, since I've been covering the division. Yeah. <laughs> since I got back on the beat in the late 2014, this is definitely the worst yeah. West we've seen, I would say. Yeah, yeah, so, sure. But at the same time, I mean, this is what you play for. Right? I mean, this game doesn't mean anything if Iowa doesn't find a way to beat Michigan state and Purdue the way it did in whatever fashion you want to call that. Mm -hmm. Well, I think you look at um, you, you play for titles, you play for championships and it it doesn't matter that the West division is at its worst level. And it is, there's no question. I mean, this is the 10th and final year and it is, it is it's going out with a bang. Yeah, it's going out with like a back or a thud. Like, yeah. yeah, blow up in your hand type. Of, but <laughs> but still, it's it's still the same way. I mean, you know, it, it's kind of like in the NFL, Chad. I mean, we've seen good uh, NFC North teams uh, get seasons where it's like, wow, you know, you're 12 and four, 12 and five, and you're not going to win the division. And then we've seen years where eight wins might get it done. That doesn't, you know, and you still win the division. You still host a playoff game. You know, just like in this case, you still win the division. You still go to Indianapolis. Doesn't mean you're going to win the Super Bowl or go to the college football playoff, but it, it's an accomplishment, and that's what you play for. And you play for traveling trophies, and you play for rivalry games, and you play to beat Wisconsin, yeah, Iowa. That yeah. has been the model program. They're in your neighborhood. They've been the bowling on the block. You're going to Camp Randall Stadium where you haven't won since 2015. You go to beat them, and and therefore that's the challenge this week. More than the than the West Division title, which we look at, their challenge is go fight their their big rival, and that's what we're going to see on Saturday. Yeah, tons to play for. Uh, Legends and listeners is always brought to you every Thursday by Heartland Flags and Gifts, and we thank them for their title sponsor support. And uh, they they sent us Bears flag this week's Bears flags this week, Scott. I got mine right here. Yeah. I, un- I didn't want to unfurl it yet. I'm kind of waiting for the right moment, but thank you to them. And I think it was just to celebrate that Chicago won its first game in 347 days. Yeah. Lots to celebrate, right? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Well, Dick Buckus, God rest his soul, the greatest bear yeah. of them all. And, you know, we can talk about Walter Payton or Dick Buckus. They're both in that category. Just the epitome of what bear football always was and always should be physical, tough, hard-nosed, aggressive, ultimate bear in my eyes. And, uh, you know, God rest his soul last Thursday, and uh, he, he squeezed one out, got one for the bears that <laughs> night. So against the Washington whatevers. So, um, <laughs> yeah, right. Well, 
Sorry, folks, we exceeded our 30-second allotment of Chicago Bears talk on the Iowa Everywhere uh, pod here. But I do want to remind folks that Heartland Flag and Gifts offers free shipping anywhere in the U.S., always has fresh products, nearly every team, every sport, and every flag. Visit our good friends online at heartlandflags.com or in-store at 3719 Southwest 9th Street in Des Moines. Let's continue talking, speaking about, uh, you know, ugly football sometimes. Let's dig into the history of Iowa, Wisconsin. Uh, I had I wrote about this a little bit, but I kind of wanted to get your take on it, too. Uh, somebody asked me, is this the biggest Iowa, Wisconsin game of the Kirk Ferentz era? And obviously, you know, we can talk about some some ones that had higher stakes. But the point of the question, Scott, was it, we talked about this a few weeks ago, right? If Iowa goes in there with the stale, old Brian Ferentz, Kirk Ferentz offense and gets blown out or beaten handily by the Luke Fickle, Phil Longo, new look, you know, Badgers, air raid, they're changing. I was not, you know, does that, is that a significant fulcrum, I guess, for this Iowa-Wisconsin series and kind of reinforce the fact that Iowa's falling behind the times, Wisconsin progressing with the times as we head into the 18-team Big Ten, or does Iowa win and kind of validate the, you know, the consistency, the do it the same way, stick to your principles, fundamentals. I think that's the tone of the question. We can get into some other history, historical games between these two teams, which are fantastic, frankly, in the Kirk Ferentz and even Barry Alvarez era. Mm -hmm. But what do you think about that kind of question in terms of how significant this matchup is for the trajectories of, of the series and this program? I think it's really significant for the trajectories, you know, I mean, I, th I think we could rattle off multiple games that may have mattered more or are as the same in the past. But, but I think when you look at the, the two teams and where they're headed next year and the fact that it's going to be a divisionless structure, the fact that four teams, including three, I think that are the top three in the country or were top three in the country in, in total offense are joining the big 10 in Washington, Oregon, USC plus UCLA, which is in top 30 at least. And you look at Wisconsin as making changes to its offense and it could backfire spectacularly in the big picture, or it could elevate them to be more competitive in the new era. Then I think it, it does matter. And you look at Iowa and it's a stale offense that hasn't changed at all. And then the setbacks of losing your best player uh, in Luke Lachey and losing your quarterback in Cade McNamara. Um, I think, yeah, this is, this is significant because if, if it's a blowout for Wisconsin, does that reinforce and crystallize in Kirk Ferentz's mind how far they need to go? Or can victory be the enemy of progress for Iowa? which is if they win 13 to 10 in Madison, does it automatically say, see, we told you, just stick to what, we, what we're doing here. And then therefore it's um, very challenging for them to, to make changes. And then next year you get your comeuppance against right. those teams. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, you know, I, it, it, I don't know. I mean, I would hope that they evolve anyway, but right. it isn't a strategy on our <laughs> Uh, good perspective there. Uh, to answer that question, you know, I certainly pointed to 2010 
being the class you've written about yeah. it in the athletic scott uh just the uh, the number of nfl players on that field mm-hmm. the you talked about it last week the brett greenwood pick right mm-hmm. um you know that just this the intensity of that environment and how much that 31 to 30 wisconsin game meant you know somebody tweeted the fake punt video this week and it's just like it brings stirs up all those memories and then 2004, I mean, mm-hmm. the Big Ten on the line in Kinnick Stadium, both teams 6-1 and one in league play. Uh, you know, I don't know what the spread was in that game, but I'm guessing it was probably pretty tight. Yeah. Uh, and I wouldn't be surprised if Wisconsin might have even been favored a little they bit. They were. Mm-hmm. And Iowa comes out and wins it 30-7, to seven, you know, yeah. with classic Ferentz ball, you know, mm-hmm. turnovers, seizing on short fields, you know, and you're celebrating a, a Big Ten win regular season championship, a shared championship with Michigan, the last one this program has experienced. I don't think it gets any bigger than that in the in the Ferentz era, but uh, the perspective is significant. It's not like in the West, the, the West or Legends and Leaders eras. Like, it's not like there's been like, this Iowa-Wisconsin game is going to decide the West. It does often decide the West, but it hasn't been almost as like, obvious is this you know where it is going to decide the west there's almost no way another team's gonna win the west this year right <laughs> hate to harp on that but yeah i, I think that's that's fair i mean I, I would look at a couple of things i think 15 had similar vibes to some extent sure. but it was such an early game it was early it was, you know it was like earlier than this one and and so you know week and, five yep. yeah it was i was big 10 opener right because right. they had just beaten um we beat Pitt? Pitt and then no, it was like North Texas. It was like, yeah, you know, they crushed them and they went up there and, and it was the bully on the block again. You know, they'd won several in a row with Iowa and it's 10 to six. And and there are very few individual plays that were bigger than Nate Myers forced fumble that Faith Akaki recovered on the goal line. And they won 10 to six because that propelled them to a non-defeated season, a West Division title. And it was significant. Um, I think in 19 was sneaky important. Because had Iowa won that game, it would have went to Indianapolis. Yeah. And it was 24-22 and Nate Stanley's collision at the one-inch line and prevented a two-point conversion. And it was 24-22. Um, the last few years have been more blowouts. Um, but, you know, overall, I mean, this is a great series. And it's too, you know, it, it's weird, Chad, because if you were to ask, tell me, you know, who's Iowa's most important rival or biggest rival, it's hard to really say it's, it's, it's not defined, mm-hmm. but this series always matters because there are two teams that have similar principles and the outcome often determines who's going to have, or who's going to win the division or who's going to have a great year, even with the divisionless structure. Well, Scott, uh, this the latest check of the forecast for Saturday shows about a 70% chance of rain in Madison, 15 to 25 mile an hour winds. The spread is Iowa plus 10. The over under is a paltry 34 and a half points. Wow. So if you feel strongly either way, hit up Circa Sports, which is the exclusive sports betting app of Iowa everywhere. Circa Sports is sports betting the way it should be with the highest limits, lowest hold, best odds. Download the app today at the App Store or CircaSports.com. Scott, I'll ask you this one question, then we're going to get to our main topic. Does the weather forecast help Iowa? Uh, and we know it didn't help at Penn State. Or at least it didn't. <laughs> Maybe it didn't matter at Penn State mm-hmm. uh, when Iowa lost 31 nothing. But 
Does this neutralize things for Iowa or does that paralyze the Hawkeyes? What do you think? I don't think it helps them. I, I I know people think that sometimes like, oh, this will slow them down. They'll down the other team. It'll slow you down too. And when you have a quarterback who hasn't really played very much, you know, does the ball make it more slippery for him? And he hasn't been very accurate. So does it um, <laughs> throw to the other team a little more often than, than what Tanner Mordecai can do there? So I, I don't know. I, I don't like that for Iowa necessarily until it can really show it can run with consistency. I don't, and even then, slippery balls, you know. So I, I think I don't know. Uh, how do you feel, Chad? Do you think it helps them? I mean, are you contrary on me on this? I think, uh, I think they got to get to an early lead if it's going to help. You can't get behind, mm-hmm. and, and which is what happened against Penn State. Even three nothing and ten nothing yeah. felt like a, a giant mountain to climb, <laughs> at, or a mountain nittany uh, yeah. to climb. Uh, so yeah, I think it, it helps if the Iowa can get the early lead. As always, I figure Iowa will have the ball first, and usually Brian Ferentz's script is decent. Um, it's when he gets off script that there are troubles, mm-hmm. and uh, I'm sure we'll get into that maybe. Maybe. Yeah, uh, but so I kind of feel like it just kind of depends on if Iowa can get that lead because if they're playing from behind, I hate Iowa's chances <laughs> on Saturday. I, I don't think they're going to come back like they did against Michigan State. Um, yeah. yeah, I don't think Wisconsin will let them in that environment. But if you can take the crowd out of the game with the weather, you know, get up seven nothing, even ten nothing, you know, let the weather take over, let your defense take over. You know, they are running the air raid. They're, I don't think they're gonna run every down. You, you articulated that in the athletic. I mean, they run an eighty-seven percent three receiver sets or four receiver sets. So yeah. anyway, we'll see. Um, the one problem is though, Chad, that they. They are uh, number one in the Big Ten yeah. in, both, in both rushing yards per game and rushing yards per carry. They're and still, rushing still, touchdowns. Yeah, yeah, they're still Wisconsin. Now, yeah. they haven't played a defense like Iowa's, but when they have Braylon Allen and they have that, I mean, they could lean into that and make life difficult for Iowa, especially if there are a lot of three and outs, which is usually the case with <laughs> Wisconsin. Yeah. I don't think there's any avoiding uh, yeah. three and out. We're going to see Iowa go three and out a few times, at least on Saturday. But, uh, you know, Wisconsin's minimum, they've scored at least 22 in every game. Uh, their offense hasn't been like a juggernaut or anything like mm-hmm. that. But, you know, Iowa would kill for 22 points <laughs> most most Saturdays, Yeah, uh, let alone 25. Yeah, so, right. Anyway, <laughs> all right, we got to move on to our main topic today, which, Scott, is a big one. I mean, it is a big game. But there's also some other, I don't know, there's just chatter. There's chatter every week with this team. So the main topic we we decided on today was how does Iowa win this game and do Hawkeye fans want them to win? We touched on that a little bit earlier in the show. Obviously, we're not going to tell you guys how to feel, whatever. That doesn't, yeah. that's not our job. But we, we both have seen a lot of sentiment out there, Scott, um, that – there's a part there's a segment of the fan base that is not even happy that they're winning or at least is voicing that they aren't i mean they're i, I assume they're still watching the games because they're griping about them but <laughs> i don't know i wrote a column this way. let's start let's let's frame it this way you take it wherever you want okay i wrote a column that posted this morning that has generated some conversation and i wrote about iowa being 23 and 10 over the past two and a half seasons Despite allowing 297 more snaps to the other team, 1,052 more yards to the other team, 
And like one of the very first replies I got was something to the effect of, I don't care about 23 to 10. Iowa football isn't fun to watch anymore. I get it. I do. But I was finding ways to win. And the column was more about how they're finding ways to win, how they're, how do they do this? It's almost, it defies logic that they can win. Uh, I should have done the math. I guess it's close to 70% win percentage with no offense. <laughs> they literally have no offense. They're the worst in the country or next to worst. I don't know. How, where do you stand on this whole deal? I think they're as resilient and self-aware as any program in the country. I've said before, and I, I maintain that, that Kirk Ferentz is probably the best that I've ever seen when it comes to adverse situations. He rallies the team. They stay the course. They find ways to win, even if it doesn't look like there's any path to victory. Um, we've seen it time and time again. And, you know, 2016, getting bum-rushed at Penn State and then coming back and beating Michigan. 2020, the situation in the offseason, then to start 0-2 and, and then to put up in an impressive six-game stretch where they averaged their average margin of victory was almost 22 points a game. Now they can't even average 22 points a game. Um so they've learned how to win despite their limitations. And that should be applauded in the big picture, in the context that, wow, how does this team do it? How do they win 13 to 10 at Minnesota last year? Well, they have resilient, tough dudes, Jack Campbell being as important as anybody to push them through to that final conclusion. However, I completely understand the sentiment of the fan base that has grown frustrated with this style of play. When you know what your problem is and nothing changes and football is entertainment, just like basketball and just like any other sport and people want to be entertained. And this is not an entertaining style of play. And you, it's an offensive sport. People want to see points. They want to see yards. They want to see touchdowns. And when that phase seems unimportant and you can't, you don't change what, why it doesn't work. And it almost seems like it's your fault for, for complaining about it. Then I completely understand why people are frustrated with it. However, the, what, what comes down to the crux of your discussion, and I agree with you on this is at some point, if you're a fan, don't you got to be happy that they're winning? Instead, I think that there's a cynical wing of this and it's grown louder and louder that almost would prefer losses. So that guarantees changes rather than victory. And that's that's a scary position for the whole entire operation. Fans, media, players, coaches, Iowa athletics. So it's a weird vortex that they've entered and it's almost scary. It is weird. Um, I also would say, be careful what you wish for mm -hmm. just because uh, where I live, there's a program about two hours, two and a half hours west that doesn't know how, hasn't shown it can win close games for years and years and years and years. They, they crumble in the fourth quarter. I think where my, the point of my column was, and I'm not, I'm not celebrating the offense in any way, shape or form, but I'm, I'm pretty impressed with the resiliency that I see in like a Logan Lee, a Cooper D. Jean, you know, 
Heck, Jay Higgins talked about yeah. it. You just talk about, uh, you know, Eric all talked about it yesterday just, uh, and he's new, but, yeah. but it's everybody buys in. They, Cooper DeGene said something to the effect of, we believe we prepare better than anyone else in the country. And of course they're going to say that, you yeah. know, oh, they prepare better than us. You know, they're not going to say that, but he, he made a, a good comment. Like we want to see that play out over 60 minutes. We believe that that's going to win out over the course of 60 minutes. It may not look like you want it to look, but I, I continue to be amazed at, at how Iowa closes these games out somehow. I mean, they gave the ball to Iowa state, Michigan state, and Purdue with a chance to go down and drive for the tying or winning touchdown. I mean, Purdue had a chance to drive for the winning touchdown the yeah. other day because the offense couldn't get a first down and right. refused to sneak on third and one, which was silly, <laughs> by the way. Yeah. Run the sneak. Yeah. <laughs> Run the deke sneak the on deke third sneak. and one. There you go. Um, but they find a way, you know, first play, Logan Lee gets a sack. You know, uh, Iowa State, uh, you know, fourth and one. You know, Ethan Herkett comes backside and, and makes a tackle. Uh-huh. To, to squelch that drive. I mean, heck, the Minnesota game last year, great yeah. example. Like, where did that win come from? Yeah. Minnesota, you know, moving up and down the field. Iowa creates two fourth-quarter turnovers, turns that into the game-winning field goal. It's it's pretty remarkable how they do it. And I know you, meant, you mentioned Jack Campbell, right? I mean, mm-hmm. I feel like since he's been a driving force in the program, that's been part of it too. Like, they just – are so resilient in the way they practice and the way that they compete on Saturdays that I think it's easy to overlook that Mm -hmm. because that's a killer instinct. That's really not easy. These are not easy games to win. (laughs) Like they say, you know, those guys are on scholarship too. Right. Right. And it, it, that's why I wrote about it. It's like, I can't believe that they found ways to win 23 out of these 33 games with such limitations on offense. Mm-hmm. So and, I just appreciate it, I guess. Yeah. And I think I wish more people would, because when you look at the resiliency, the toughness on defense, the way that they're forcing the action and forcing turnovers, um, you look at last year at Illinois, for instance, and they didn't win that game, but how close they came, you know, a, a fraction of an inch of an elbow from Riley Moss taking a, a fumble 82 yards for a touchdown and forcing a fumble at the five yard line. And and then, of course, the offense and all the, the issues there on that. But overall, they're finding ways to compete. They're scrapping. They're everything, every intangible that you want in a program. They, and the toughness, the mental toughness, the physical toughness, the ability to bounce back after tough defeats. I mean, when they were three and four last year, Chad, and they lost it at Ohio State, and that was the most putrid yeah. offensive display across the board just with the turnovers and the you know they didn't they didn't just unravel the way I, I every other program would have they went a lot of teams especially with those problems would have been four and eight three and nine sure maybe five yeah. and seven no they were within a game a touchdown from going back to indianapolis and you look at the same thing this year with these games and you know the defense isn't quite as good as, as last year's and, and I'd argue that very few are. That was yeah. That was a, that was the best defense of the Ferrets era last yeah. year. So I mean, it, as good, good as it gets, all the way back to '81, and there are some strange parallels with '81 and that offense that people have <laughs> forgotten about. And that offense is every bit the the equal to this one. 
Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was it was really, really, really bad. Even with Bill Snyder and Kirk Ferentz and, <laughs> and Hayden Fry, you know, calling plays. It was not it was not a pretty offense back in 81. But I think with this team, you can admire the fight and admire the the tenacity and, and the approach and the willingness to do whatever it takes to win games. And and you can set put that in one corner, but then you can also be aggravated by the limitations and say absolutely yeah why can't you just do this or even try this let alone do it um but you know to your point with jack campbell we talked a little bit about this earlier this morning i would say cj beathard and jack campbell are the two most influential figures in iowa football the last 10 years and C.J. Beathard, for obvious reasons, we saw it offensively in 15, that he changed the game. He was mm-hmm. a difference maker. He tipped the field. And Jack Campbell, not only by his performance, which was elite to the nth degree, but by how he practiced and how he performed and how he would refuse to allow players to think differently or let, uh, get down on themselves or or slack off. And, you know, last year his shirt – you know, two years ago, too, you know, when they went to the championship game. But last year, his sheer will pushed Iowa in that category. And then this year, the players like Joe Evans and and them that have remember how Jack was and have played that way. Uh, I'm thoroughly impressed with how that they've been, how resilient this operation has been. Yeah. A uh, little history lesson as you were talking there. You know, 2004 season celebrated in Iowa history yeah. that that team averaged two yards a carry <laughs> two, two. And, and they won three games by two points uh yeah. one of them was six to four everyone remembers that but there was a couple other games yeah. that were pretty ugly in there and they won by two uh 2009 they averaged yeah. 3.27 yards per carry that was for the most part an ugly looking offense there were some games they had more explosiveness no question I'm not mm-hmm. comparing these offenses but that team had a lot of warts too but we remember these teams because ultimately they won games 2004, you know, you win on the the Tate to Holloway thing. That's what everyone remembers, but you don't remember the the ugliness and offense for much of that year. Mm-hmm. 2009 was not pretty. I mean, gosh, 24 to 21 over Arkansas State, 17, 16 over UNI. <laughs> um, you know, certainly, you know, that team won at Happy Valley. This one did. I'm not comparing these. I'm not saying this one's anywhere close, but I'm saying let's see how this plays out. And that's what Saturday. That's why Saturday is such a big game. I just what I what I push back on a little bit, Scott. Is for example, yesterday we had George Barnett on the Zoom, yeah. and I tweeted out some comments he was making. We had a, it was a good conversation. You want to hear from the O line coach? Mm-hmm. Want to hear? You know, somebody asked about how the the freshmen were looking. I think Tom might have. Yeah. And um, you know, he made a comment about how you know someone was telling him, you know, who's been here longer than he has. Uh, another part that some people out there are missing, like that this might be the best scout team offensive line they've seen in the Ferentz era, what, something like that. And that uh, that got railed on. And it's mm-hmm. like, so you're going to take a dump on Twitter on four true freshmen potentially and other probably walk-ons in there, whatever, guys fighting to make the team that are having really good, you know, developmental mm-hmm. years, and you're going to – blast the offensive line coach for sharing that information that they, Hey, they might be hits. Mm-hmm. And I mean, the quote tweets, the replies are just insane. I, I almost don't want people to go look at them because it's just, it's almost embarrassing. And I, I feel for, 
you know, do you guys not want the information <laughs> that the coaches yeah. are giving you or not? Or do you want us to not ask about, do you want us not to just, you don't want us to just keep it to ourselves? Uh, it's just the, the, the reflex to just be negative about everything drives me crazy because it's not all negative. <laughs> I'm trying, it's not all positive. We're none of us, Scott or neither Scott or I are, I mean, we're probably the <laughs> most vocal <laughs> offensive critics there are out here. I mean, nothing you know we know it doesn't look good but you can't ignore the good parts that are going on as well and that's kind of my point i'm i just want people to kind of like evaluate where they're coming from with some of these comments and if you just hate everything then i guess that's i guess that's who you are yeah and that's the 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 worst part of i think the kind of deterioration i should say of the offense the last few years has left people from being aggravated to skeptical to cynical and now everybody is a cynic and everybody thinks they're funny and everybody is coming after you know innocuous comments or you know they the, the offensive line coach is happy with the development of the true freshman on the scout team and he thinks they're playing well good you know, you should be happy about that if you're an Iowa fan. Okay, well, that, you know, they're not ready to play right now. <laughs> you know, I, that, that, would, yeah. that would be insane. That's what they tried to do last year with guys like Bo Stevens. And, you know, it just didn't work out. Um, so why is it that is why is that a, a, a moment to go on the attack on Iowa and, and make fun of everything Iowa related if you're an Iowa fan? It just doesn't make sense. doesn't compute to me, you know, and, it, and I'm there with you. I mean, I've tapered off on Twitter a little bit because I, I start to get really smart assy. And then, then I'm like, I like, I like your smart assery on Twitter. I, 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 I'm here for it. I'll put the like button after a while. I'm like, eh, I probably shouldn't do that. And, you know, and my, my wife gets on me all the time for it. It's like, all right. And so, but, but, you know, like in the game last week, I'm like, I'm just going to tweet some information and I'm not going to really engage. I'm not going to do anything because it just doesn't benefit anybody. And, but so I know that's the way people's knee jerk opinions and reactions are these days. But, it, you know, again, your team is five and one <laughs> and your team is going to an, has an opportunity to have a really good season. They're not playing a lot of great teams. There's no question about that, but they're winning their games. And yet here we are constantly. And then it puts us in a position that we don't, I don't feel comfortable in Chad, to be honest with you. And probably you either defending this program. I don't want to defend anybody. I want to pro provide rational analysis that either a looks at this program that looks at this program objectively and says, yes, yes. here are the positives. Here are the negatives. Here exactly are the ports, what we do. Here, you know, and instead, you know, when I'm like, when everybody's all down on Brian Ferentz, I'm like, you know what? His first quarterback threw 68 touchdown passes in three years. You know, two of his teams are two of the highest, 10 highest scoring teams in team history. Then all of a sudden I'm a Brian defender. And then Bray Gunn comes out with a shirt that I'm not related to Brian Ferentz. You know? <laughs> so it's like, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not trying to, you know, so I, I totally feel you, man. And I saw all the comments and I'm like, I'm staying out of this one. I listened, I asked questions. I'm not getting, I'm not even going to tweet it because it just doesn't seem like it's going anywhere in a positive way. Well, let's get into, uh, we're running out of time here. We got about 10 minutes left, uh, kind of a blueprint to victory. Um, how do you think, what is the path for Iowa to win? I think, I think it comes down to 
you're going to have to be successful on the ground. I think we saw that Iowa can be successful on the ground last week against Purdue. You're not going to get the big plays against Wisconsin. They're too disciplined to let you get the big plays. So I think, I think the only path Iowa has is second down success, get to third and short. Third down conversions are terrible right now. You've got to get to third and short. You're not going to convert. You're not going to convert third and tens with Deacon mm-hmm. Hill. I'm sorry to say, you might get one, mm-hmm. <laughs> like you did. Uh, uh, I think he might. You know, he, he got a couple uh, yeah. against Michigan State. I think, but that's not a recipe to beat Wisconsin. We saw that in 2017 when they gained 66 yards. I think it's you just got to stay committed to the run and hope that connects. I like what Caleb Johnson and LaShawn, LeSean Williams give them as a one-two punch. I think that's your best bet. I thought Bo Stevens looked good in his limited snaps. I'd like to see more of him out there. Uh, it's good news that Connor Colby and Mason Richmond are improving in health. Mm-hmm. And I think I feel like Jennings Dunker has played pretty well. I mean, he, he's he's better than the the two years of right tackle we've seen in twenty one and twenty two. Yeah, and Logan Jones has improved. So. Mm-hmm. I think that's your best path to victory with with this quarterback. Uh, what do you think? It's it's always about the running games when you talk about Iowa Wisconsin. Since Ferentz j- joined the league as head coach, only twice has the winner uh, uh, been the team that's rushed for the fewest yards, and that was by one yard once and like five yards the other time. So it's about line of scrimmage play. It always is. Now you know there are. The, the, the factors that you can't predict that you, you know, are turnovers. And I think it works both ways. I mean, whether it's Deacon Hill throwing three interceptions, which is very possible, or Iowa intercepting and bringing a couple of back, which is always possible too. But if you remove that from this equation and you look at path to victory, if all things are even, then I think it's about running the football and, and grinding out first downs. You know, and if and that's not always about scoring points. I know that's the that's a sin that I mentioned there, and may God rest my soul. But, but <laughs> you know, if you get the ball to twenty five, if you can get the ball to midfield, yeah, then that's a winning possession. You know, against Wisconsin and for Iowa, because then you can punt and generally pin them back, and then you're playing field position football where Iowa's more comfortable, and then you take over near midfield, and then you 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 establish yourself line of scrimmage wise. Um, so I, I think that's going to have to be that they're going to have to generate at least three scoring drives. You'd hope that it's not three field goal drives, but they're going to have to generate some offense. Um, and then, you know, defensively, they're going to have to slow down the run. I mean, this team still averages 200 yards a game on the ground and, and uh, they're really good on third down. Iowa is, is worse than everybody in put together. So it's, it's uh, you know, they, they have to stay out of third down situations. They have to win on first down. Scott, I've got Iowa losing 17 to 10. Uh, may, you know, I do have them covering. That's, you know, I don't feel great about it. But uh, I, think, I think it's possible that uh, this turns ugly too. I'm, yeah. I'm not discounting that. Uh, Iowa is 10 and two in its last 12 games. I just do want to remind people of that before uh, uh, you totally discourage uh, the shot of victory here. But I do want to flip this for a final thought here, Scott, before we go. 
let's say Iowa wins. Let's say Iowa wins however it happens. It could be 10 to 6, like in 2015. It could be, you know, like Josh Jackson getting two picks in 17, except the defense, you know, except the offense does a little bit, and Iowa wins 17-14 with, with two defensive touchdowns, something yeah. like that. Let's say Iowa wins. How does that change the tone of the rest of this season? Because all of a sudden then, I mean, are people on the bandwagon at that point, or are people still bashing the Hawks? I think that the cynics will be cut in half. There will be continued cynics that this team sucks. This it's it's a shame. This team's going to go to Indianapolis and get murdered and and all of that stuff. And you're never going to change those people because that's you know they're the same people who complain on Christmas morning because they didn't get exactly what they wanted, or they complain because they got exactly what they wanted. Um, <laughs> I think in this case though, when you look at uh, if they do oh, win, I think the fans who are pretty loyal will start to chirp a little bit. And say, you know what? Let's let's take some pride in this. Let's be mm-hmm. happy. Our team is winning. Our team is six and one and eleven and two over the last you know thirteen games. And yes, they're not beautiful, but man, they are. They're playing hard and they're playing for us and and all of that sort of thing. I think you'll see all that. And I think some of the cynics will taper it back a little bit. They're not going to be thrilled with the offense, but I, not many people are. But I do expect them. If that happens, no, I'm not predicting it to happen. I think Iowa, I'd pick Iowa to lose 16 to six. Um, <laughs> We're so, in the same ballpark. Yeah. I guess we got the under, huh? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Always pick the under on Iowa. But, but if it, it, I can see a path to victory, sure. You know, and, and if they do win, um, then, you know, it does amp the amp up the, the Floyd talk next week and they're going to have to be careful there. And then they get a week off and, you know, and I'm going to try to say the same thing, the same message that I had way back when in 15, which is enjoy this, embrace this. It doesn't happen very often. And it's probably not going to happen very often now that they're in a singular division starting next right. year with four high powered new offenses coming in. So try to enjoy it. And football season is is a gift. <laughs> it is. I love it. And it's already halfway over. And afterwards, you're going to be thinking about next year. And I can't believe it's over. Blah, blah, blah. Please. Enjoy it while it's here. Even the losses. It's a it's a joy. It's a gift from God. It's football season. <laughs> uh, one more uh, thing to talk about here, Scott. It's the crossover at Kinnick on, on Sunday, 2 p.m. Uh, at this point, I think both of us will be there. Uh, that's the plan anyway, coming back from Madison on sat, you know, late Saturday night or early Sunday, depending. Um what a spectacle. I think 50,000-ish expected, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, the forecast looks not great, but I think it's going to be doable. It looks like, you know, temps in the 50s, maybe some wind. You know, might have to, you know, I'm not sure how many threes Caitlin Clark's going to be able to <laughs> rein in. But if she could knock in like 7 to 10 with 20 miles an hour wind, 20 <laughs> miles an hour winds, uh, that'd be pretty special. Uh, but anyway, what, I don't know. Just kind of fun, huh? What any thoughts you have on the crossover at Kinnick before you before you uh, let the folks go? I'm I'm excited for it because this really elevates women's basketball, which has been fun to watch for a long, long time with Lisa Bluter and Jan Jensen and everyone. But you know, you're filling up you're for, for the most part filling up Kinnick Stadium for women's basketball and it's, you're going to have, you know, they're thrilled because they're going to get a kid captain. They're going to be able to do the wave. You know, mm-hmm. I, I did ask Caitlin um, in uh, 
Minneapolis this week. I said, you know, are you going to come out to back in black? She goes, some, Scott, some things we just need to keep a secret around here. <laughs> I thought that was kind of funny, but, uh, but you know, it, 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 let's have a fun event. You know, there's no winner or loser attached and it's, it's a celebration and a kind of an entrance for a program that has really taken such hold of the fan base in a positive way. And I hope people don't lose sight of that. You know, now that they're, they're, every ticket is sold for the upcoming season, my fear is that we get cynical Iowa football and men's basketball fan deciding to chime in on women's basketball. Because they've generally, the fans have been very, very positive over the years in women's basketball. And I don't want them, well, I thought this team was supposed to go to the Final Four, you know, because they lose at Maryland or someplace like that. Well, you know, go kick the dog. I'm sure the dog won't bite you. You know, that that's anyway. I just I'm excited for the event. I think it'll be terrific for for everyone involved and everyone at the stands. Yeah, I agree. It's it'll be kind of a celebration, honestly. A celebrate a continuation, almost like a you know, it, it celebrates what you accomplished last year in a way because it's like, you know, it's times six or whatever of what was at the Pentecrest, you know, mm-hmm. after the national championship and back in April national championship run national championship game run. You know what I mean? I know they didn't win the title. Everyone. Yeah. Um, but uh, just kind of celebrate that, but then start a new chapter because this is a totally different team. I agree. It's going to be really hard to repeat what happened last year, but uh, certainly will be a lot of fun. And I mean, if people can't enjoy what could be the last season of number 22 um, playing for the Hawkeyes, then, yeah, she's not going to be around forever. So right. <laughs> try to enjoy it. Try to enjoy yeah. it. And uh, have fun. it'll be fun on Saturday. I can't wait to see all the faces in the crowd and, mm-hmm. you know, well, cheering for every basket. You know, <laughs> yeah. The women's fans are tremendous. Yeah, they are. They always have been. They've always been very committed and always very positive. I've always enjoyed that, that even when they lose or if they don't go to the final four, that, you know, it's not a they don't tear down the program. They elevate it. And I think I I really enjoy that type of philosophy. And and, you know, one one thing I'll add about Caitlin Clark is she's the most transcendent elite level athlete that we've seen at the University of Iowa in our lifetime. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, the only one to me that's on the same scale as her is, is Niall Kinnick. And that came way before our births. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, um, and we're old dudes. Yeah. So I, I think that uh, enjoy her while she's here because she's a gift that, that we haven't ever seen before. I'm using that term a lot. I apologize. Yeah. But but no, she is. She's fantastic. And you, you have to appreciate it. Yeah. I'll put up my coffee mug. There you go, folks. Yeah. There's the message today. Thanks, Scott. Thank you, fans, for supporting Legends and Listeners. We really appreciate all the positive feedback you guys have given us on social media. I know we're still, you know, in our first 10 episodes here, but it's been super uplifting. Uh, how about that? Social media uh, praise and, and, you know, positivity, Scott. Yeah, yeah. Um, we hope uh, we hope that we we're able to bring some some real Hawkeye talk, critical talk, but also some rational talk to your feeds yeah. every Thursday. And, Scott, I'll see you in Madison in a couple of days. Look forward to it, Chad. Always. Yeah, and we'll enjoy that walk to the press box. That's uh, anyway, uh, uh, media problems. Media yeah. pro- anyway, no, all right, for Scott Dr. Ben, this is Chad Lystico. Next week, another trophy, a bronze pig on the line. We'll talk about that with you next Thursday at 11 a.m. from the Channel Seed Studios. 
here on Legends and Listeners on the Iowa Everywhere Network. Iowa Everywhere.